The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. recording and this is out now with aaron and abe i am aaron and abe is on assignment but out now is a film podcast where Abe and i normally discuss new movies weekly however every now and then like we have these special bonus episodes whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different and this is our first commentary track of 2023 we're kicking off a new year we've done it again we're back with more commentating and uh, this is going to be fun because we're starting another theme when it comes to these commentary tracks, for the next four months, we're going to be doing a theme called I Love L.A. Uh, there's two exclamation points on that so we don't get sued. Um, we are going to be talking about various action and action comedies from multiple decades, uh, all set in Los Angeles. And for this first inaugural month involving I Love L.A., we're doing John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13. Joining me. For this commentary of Assault on Precinct 13, we have from Why So Blue and the host of the Brandon Peters Show, saving the last two shots for the first two podcasters to come to that event. It's Brandon Peters. Hello, hello. When this, uh, as we start here, uh, this podcast, I'm 40 years old. When it ends, I'll be 41. So enjoy. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues. He was born out of time, but he has his moments. It's Yancey Burns. Hey, everybody. How's it going, gang? I don't do the little bits, but <laughs> I didn't know that. Is that true, Brandon? Congratulations. Yep. I don't think it's the first time we've done it this way, too. I think we've typically had really? a commentary recording. Of my... Yes. That's awesome. Also joining us from Movies, Films, and Flicks and Con Air, the podcast, going on a trip for ice cream, it's Mark Hoffmeyer. Wait, I didn't order vanilla. <laughs> and also, when we start recording, I'm going to be 40. And when we end... I'll still be 40, right. <laughs> but I'll be a day closer to yep. 41 mm-hmm. eventually. Yep. So we're getting there. So for me, a whole year will pass for you a day. <laughs> exactly. In a year. Whoa. In, in the Whoa. <laughs> it's like, it's like Dunkirk. Save those woes for our Keanu commentaries. How are you guys doing this evening? Terrific. <sighs> yep. Good. I'm hyped. I can't wait to talk about this. Good. I'm excited too. This is a, this is a, it's a fun, lean movie. <laughs> it's the best recipe for a commentary track, I'd say. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I was telling you, Aaron. Like, I, I don't mind long movies. I, I could care less. But when I saw that this was 90 minutes long, I went, "All right." I don't really. Yeah, like I'm cool. Like whatever, whatever, man. Movies, between, movies, two hours and fifteen minutes. It's fine. Give me ninety. Between last month's uh, Avatar commentary and then the three-hour Avatar episode for the sequel that we provided, yeah, it seemed like a nice be nice to pare it down for these commentary <laughs> tracks. Um, but yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about all about Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Um, the four of us currently have this movie paused at five seconds in. That is where the CKK Corporation Presents logo is on the screen. So if you plan to watch the movie while listening to us. Jamokes talk about this movie. Uh, that's all you have to do. You got to pause it right there, and then I'm going to count down from three on the sound to go. We're going to press play, and we're going to start talking. If you're just listening to listen, you're good. You just get to enjoy John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13 
as talked about by Brandon Mark Yancey and myself. So I think we're good to go here. You guys ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. All right. Three, two, one. Assault. I'd like to welcome everybody to Yancey and I's second podcast conversation about uh, assault, assault on Precinct 13. <laughs> yep. It's just showing leading how expert online experts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk all over this right now, and what we're only going to see is titles. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because we can't hear the amazing score that John Carpenter amazing put together for this score. one. And I believe eight days, like he just, <laughs> he just winked something out. Mm-hmm. He and a, I believe Tommy Wallace, who was also the what the production designer on this, he helped yep. with the score. Like John <laughs> Carpenter players, this is it. This is where they mm-hmm. start. They yeah. shot this in 20 days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a quick that, shoot. This blows my mind. Wrote the script in like uh, like another eight days. No, I think I got it backwards. I think I think the score is like three days. The script is like eight days. Whatever. Like it's it, all of this stuff was very quick <laughs> as far as getting this thing done. Um, <sighs> true. Uh, true independent here. Like the idea is what to make like an exploitation movie. Like he's coming off dark. Yeah, make it a, a real yeah. Bravo esque movie was his goal here. Makes money. He got he got a, he got like two projects got to him right and this was one of them and the other was Eyes right which would become the script for the Eyes of Laura Mars mm-hmm. right which was bought by Peters and Streisand Streisand yeah yep. Streisand Streisand she still recorded the, the main Streisand. tune for that Streisand 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 um. So as we normally do, I want to know, when did we all first see this movie? Brandon, let's start with you. When did you first see Assault on Precinct 13? Uh, it was like VHS in the 90s when I wanted to see as much Carpenter as I could after uh, Halloween. Um, this was a this was one that was like, I, I feel like, and we, I'm going to get this, I feel like Carpenter's must-see movies has changed over the last few decades, because I feel mm-hmm. like there's some that used to be like, well, for Carpenter, you see this one, this one, this one, and this one. And I feel like this was in that roster now. And now it's kind of like a B side for the, the must see recommends, but I think it's still top. What replaced top it? Quality. Memoirs. Yeah. Memoirs. <laughs> no, it was but, the Mars y'all. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Like, I mean, the Carpenter used to be like, oh, also Bravo. It, it used to be, you know, <laughs> you see Halloween, you see assault and you see like, Christine, and you see, like, um, the thing I think was always a big one. No, the thing was a bomb back then. It was like, well, yeah, stay but, away from it. That was you're saying, you're saying back then. If you're, I feel like you're talking about like the 90s when you're coming in the 90s. Up. Yeah, that's why that's what I'm talking about. It was like it started coming around later, but, but I mean, the big carpenter recommend, uh, was yeah, that one, um, yeah, Starman was a highly recommended one because that was like um, that was a hit. Mm-hmm. That helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was the, a hit the, film. The hit, uh, it had an Academy Award nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, so those yeah. were the ones. And now it's like The Thing uh, is, is highly recommended. They Live, The Fog, Ma- the fog Mouth, In the Mouths of Madness. Like, big, well, Big Troubles gained plenty, too. Well, yeah. Escape from New York was a cool one to recommend, but always. It's, that one's kind of always stayed there. But I, I feel like his like list of best has grown is, immensely. Gro- yeah, yeah, yeah. You got Scorsese sitting there. Fawning so over the guy now. So wonderful the, to see that from the, the key thing so to keep happy. in mind is you're not really going wrong with any of these. Like just outside of like a couple. Point, I think you know, even during the time they were coming out, they were tr- most of them were trashed. Mm-hmm. My sister he put in a lot of critics. He he because he went horror. He he got trashed. Yeah, which is a shame. And yeah, I, I think that's it. it will... 
Well, oh, sorry. We'll talk oh. about that more. But I mean, is there in terms of like nowadays, if you're like, what Carpenter movies do you watch? You're not really getting steered in the wrong direction if you're nope. saying like a random five of his list. Outside, Even at like, his worst, ward. he's very interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah. He delivers. Vampires, the ward, memoirs. That's it. Just those it's, three. It, yeah. You know. it, and even then, there's something interesting. Even then, there's something interesting in most of those. Like, I mean, sure. yeah. well, no one's going to say that. had a Carpenter score, I'd probably like it. No, and no one's going to say that. Anyway. No one's going to. No one's going to recommend those movies to begin with. As far as like, oh, you're beginning a Carpenter. Let me tell you something about the Ward. <laughs> <laughs> I remember in college, I told somebody that I like Ghosts of Mars, and the guy's like, "I'm never listening to another uh, movie recommendation you ever have." So I kind of like lost a friend over liking good. Ghost of Mars. But oh, yeah. I, I, the tone is very effective when I watch it again. I, I, movie, just like I feel, yeah, I feel very movie. offset. Like I uh, like it puts me off center. The whole vibe of that movie. Yeah. So I still stand by it. Good train work. Good, good movie. Does have good train work. <laughs> good, uh, good Statham hair in that movie. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of those rare ones. <laughs> Yancy, I want to hear from you because I know you're quite the fan of Assault and Precinct 13. When did you first see this movie? I saw this movie when I was doing my whole reevaluation of Carpenter. When I was growing up, um, I'm a little, you know, when I was growing up, I, I unfortunately was swayed and sort of uh, brainwashed by a lot of the reviews of Glenn Ebert. And I, I thought I didn't like Carpenter. I guess I can get myself a, the break of saying I never saw any of these in, you know, the 235 scope. They were pinned and scanned on HBO, but I thought I didn't like the guy. And then, my friend Robert Sylvie, the, uh, I worked with him at a video store, and the first day we were together, he uh, he basically the whole day was him passionately explaining to me that this guy had made so many good movies, and I sort of was like, yeah, you know, you're right, those are all good. And just at that time, for some reason, fortuitously, on Laserdisc, they had just released the Criterion and put out the Halloween and Escape from New York had come out, and Trouble in China, Christine, Starman, they'd all come out finally in in the proper two, three, five. And this one also came out. And so I saw them all in like two weeks, realized that I was a huge fan of Carpenter. And to this day, I think this is his, I've said it's his best movie. Uh, um, I, I think it's probably, like you said, Brandon, I think it's not in that top five because it's not horror. It's most explicitly not horror of all his movies. I don't know if it's his best movie anymore, but I will say I think it is his best directed movie. It is just the most insanely good calling card and he might have had a different career based off this movie. I'm glad he didn't. But but I think there were a lot of critics who liked this movie and then got off the train as soon as he started making horror movies because horror movies are just not in fashion. But I loved it. And to this day, I think it's one of the greatest B-movies ever, certainly of its era. It's just exactly what you want from a B-movie. It's lean and efficient, but it's got other things going on underneath. It's very Hawksian. It's very Hawksian. Of course, most of Carpenter's movies are very Howard Hawksy, but this one... You know, these people of the bonds they form under pressure during this movie is, is it's just I mean, it's explicitly real Bravo, of course, but it, it's also just, you know, with that tinge of Romero going on in there as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just it, it's, it's, it's a great it's not his debut, of course, Dark Star, which I also really quite like is his debut. But this sort of feels like the first real John Carpenter movie. Look at that two, three, five as uh, Austin Stoker gets into that car. It's very much pronounced as, as far as Carpenter goes like Dark Star. You know, there's that's that's like a, well, what's the word? Um Proto, Proto Carpenter. <laughs> well, that's what Scorsese said that was so cool in that little piece. He said that it feels like Carpenter is in control of every part of the movie he's making. Yeah. I think the fact that his scores are always so effective and catchy gives you that sense that you're really getting a, a tourist B-movie stuff from this guy. But yeah, I love him. Mark, how about you? When did you first see Assault on Precinct 13? 
I think it was around 2008 or 2009. I was in Korea and I just told someone I hadn't watched it. They act shocked and then they showed it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, this is way better than the Ethan Hawke one. But yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I, I just love it. I love how simple it is. I love how he holds the camera. Didn't have much money. He had what? He shot him with 35 millimeter, like first experience with Panavision. So like the shots are really assured. And I kind of oh, love yeah. that. I love that he wanted to make a Western and they're like, no, he's like, okay, we'll make an exploitation picture, but kind of a Western, like, sure. So I kind of dig how he worked around that. And, and yeah, that, that was probably around the time. Yeah. 2008, 2009, one of the, one of those times, but yeah, I, I dug it. Like we, we like went through, like they live a bunch of movies. Like I caught up on Carpenter in that year. I want to say I saw this early two thousands, like 2000, 2001. I, I know I'd seen a number of Carpenter films at that point. And I, I, I must've been watching like some like random, like retrospective or documentary or something about either Carpenter or just about the era. And I kept hearing about this like ice cream scene in this movie. <laughs> I kept I kept hearing about this legendary ice cream scene that was brutal and everything. And I was like, well, I need to see this eventually. I'm pretty sure I was up at the uh, in NorCal with my one of my uncles um, who rented it so we could watch Assault of Precinct 13. And um, yeah, quite. I, I mean, <laughs> it, it's what I what I really enjoyed is just how efficient the whole thing felt. Like that, you know, like. At that age, I wasn't saying to myself, this is so efficient. But I mean, there's just something about the 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 nature of the filmmaking that caught me as far as how lean it felt, how like just to the point it was. At that point, I was a huge From Dust Till Dawn fan. And I could certainly see the connections there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that certainly affected like how I was viewing this. Like I, I got the rhythm of this. I don't think I had seen Rio Bravo as of yet at that point, but I'd seen Night, uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead or whatnot. So like there's like touch points that I could feel that this was like within the, the, the realm of. So it's like, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it. I was, I was a fan. Uh, we could talk about the remake more, but I was happy. I had seen this already before the remake came out. Um, but that's not a movie I hate. I, I, of the so carpenter of the carpenter remakes, I'd say it ranks higher than most of them. <laughs> so, but, uh, Great cast. Such a carpenter character. This, this Napoleon, what's his name? He's such oh, yeah. a carpenter yeah. character oh, yeah. in every way, you know, cynical. Well, deep le- got heart of gold deep down inside. Later know? on, you know, if they made this movie later, that'd be Kurt Russell or Roddy Piper yeah. right here. Yep. So, yep. whoa. Brandon, like the older actor there with the, with the, the, the tall guy there, the, that's mm-hmm. Henry Brandon who played Scar in The Searchers, uh, which is oh, sure okay. Hired him, you know. I love his old Western geek out, like when he has like yeah. Lee Van Cleef and Escape from New York and stuff. It's like oh, you, yeah. you know he's like, oh. God, he never guys. got to really make a Western except for that one he wrote with Lou Gossett and that they made Lou Gossett and Anthony Edwards for HBO, mm-hmm. El Diablo or something. I never saw it, but that like, got that, like. Like vampires is so close. Oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. At least it's at least they're it's set in the desert. It's very much a western. Down they're to at least the they're, like because they're, they're at least set in the desert, so like they have that going for them. <laughs> well, that's Carpenter. Uh, another thing these laser discs had back in the nineties were commentaries with Carpenter, who was so such a great. Those tracks are also wonderful and entertaining. And he, every time, at least once during the commentary, he'll say the movie is really Western. Big Trouble of China was a Western originally. Every movie he says he made is, is really a Western. I'm not sure if Halloween is really a Western, but somewhere. It definitely is. If anything, it's the West. Definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, were those, the, those were the commentaries back in the day, Yancy, where they'd be like, 
John Carpenter. Yeah, when I did this scene over yeah, here, yeah. we did this. Deborah <laughs> yeah. Hill. Jamie we Lee were working Curtis. on this. Yeah, they'd say it before the person's name, <laughs> yeah. like every time, yeah. like, oh my God. Just put Tom a subtitle. He promised me a lot of beer. I just wanted to be a part of the movie. I don't yeah. know what <laughs> um, you know, I was talking about, we talk about this movie and the lo fi nature of it. Between this one, Halloween, and, and the fog when I was growing, what really attracted me to Carpenter and um, why he became instantly like a favorite, you know, I, 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 God, on any given day, he's like my favorite director. Um, yeah. Between him, Hitchcock, and Kubrick, um, I Chumps. have a hard time through them. But what spoke to me about Carpenter was, you know, when I was learning about film and stuff as a, a youngster and stuff, and I was making stuff with my VHS tapes, learning about how, um, like you were talking about, Barkley, and Scorsese loves that he's doing all these things himself. And I was doing all those things myself. Like I had to like edit my own movies. I had, and when you look at his, his credits there's not many people listed and the people listed are like the same in other places so that's like you and your friend you know your friends that you make movies mm-hmm. with and the same people show up in the movies so it really spoke to me as a kid in like middle and high school trying to like write movies make movies with my camcorder edit with two vcrs and do all that stuff and find the like cheapest way to do things and stuff and so his early stuff really spoke to me and made me feel like hey you could do this man you can you know this is this is possible like uh you're not making star wars but hell the thrills you had from halloween the action nail-biting suspense of assault and precinct is just as valuable and looks just as good if you can learn stuff and that's what really like speaks to somebody with what carpenter does he's like the highest level of that and it's really a good opening to like you know people aspiring to be filmmakers at the lowest level to be like look at this this guy did with nothing like talent and early on like his pacing kind of caught me off guard when i was younger too because you think about a lot of his movies the thing and they do move quick and they get at it but he does take his time and establishes characters and place and location and when i was kind of younger just watching his shots and kind of how the camera serviced the story i couldn't really process it so like his movies always, it was weird. I always knew I was watching a John Carpenter movie and they always felt different, but I couldn't like mm-hmm. put my finger on it. Does, does that make sense? Like, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's, yeah. Absolutely it's, makes it's kind of amazing. You could, you could, because I, I remember thinking, boy, he always shoots these really cramped movies. For some reason, it's always cramped and there's these weird camera moves in them. I didn't understand what pan and scanning was. And it wasn't until later that I realized, oh, he just really, really <laughs> poses for two, three, five. And when you see him on TV, mm-hmm. It just, if you don't understand, I didn't understand about different wit. I, I just thought it was mm-hmm. cramped. Same with Blake Edwards. I thought, why does this guy shoot such cramped movies? And then I realized later, oh, I'm an idiot. It's just been, I'm only <laughs> well, seeing like, half of this. Ita- Italian horror director. I was like, why do these movies all look like crap? Why do people like these? And then when they <laughs> yeah. finally were like cleaned up and stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are artists. Yeah. yeah. These gore, <laughs> these they are artists. Oh my gosh. But like, yeah, and I have to wonder. We're talking about this two thirty-five. Do you think he's the inspiration for like so much like low-budget modern horror shooting in two thirty-five for no good reason? Do you think Carpenter's the inspiration behind that? Well, when you're the, the grandfather of something like Halloween, you know, for, I mean, that's yeah. certainly going to be an influence because <laughs> like everybody goes for the two thirty-five, and and seeing it in like low-budget horror, it's like. I mean, that's a that's, that's an interesting choice. I mean, you you are you shooting? And they don't. They are 235, but they don't look grand, feel grand. They don't have the scope of things that you might as well be 185. Make mm-hmm. your movie feel a lot larger. He but... knows how to compose. Yeah, so well. exactly. It's innately. 
Well, I think and, people don't know how to use lenses too, because I think part of it's knowing different lens sizes, different effects with them and stuff, and people just flat shoot two thirty five. This isn't Dean Cundy though, right? This is a different. No, level. no, Dean Cundy uh, doesn't join until Halloween. Next, Douglas Knapp. Yep, Douglas Knapp, who I believe is like a USC friend, if I'm not mistaken. Popular. Well, yeah, he has shot, a popular sort of... sack. Um, but where would they shoot this? Is this sort of uh, this East is LA? South, this is all south. This is South Central. Yeah. South Central. It's all South Central. Uh, the actual the location work. Thirteen is on Venice Boulevard. Just was close to where I used to live. A friend of mine, the same friend actually, Robert, <laughs> drove me over there five years ago. I was like, "You recognize this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is so-called." Yes, the old. But I thought if you look the, the old Venice Police Station, like a parking lot and trees crept up on you, didn't it? Oh, you drove us here. He drove us here. <laughs> Street thunder. <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny you say that about the two three five because, uh, like, I was watching the ritual and I'm like, this feels weird. And I looked at the yeah. aspect ratio was two to one, and then I was watching Smile and I'm like, this feels weird. And it was yeah. like two to one. I'm like, oh, I guess you don't have to go two three five for horror. Like so many yeah. movies, I think you're right. Like the lower budget films, they kind of shoot it, that. Like they don't really need to when it's a cramp style. I mean, it also yeah, like, it just I, helps to like see choices and not like deliberate stuff being you know happening in these. But like, mm -hmm. I wish I liked both of those films more i think ritual is a cool monster in it but um i like that the, the it does feel like the directors at least like are coming from somewhere with their ideas to begin <laughs> mm -hmm. with that's supposed to being like i guess we got a camera we'll just shoot stuff whatever like <laughs> yeah. it's like like eggers is an obvious huge example of this right now where he's just, he's making exactly the choices he wants to make when it comes to the wit the vivich or uh or lighthouse mm -hmm or the, that small um, Northman movie that he made. I think people uh, are still building sets out there in Iceland for that movie, <laughs> and it wrapped two years ago. Well, is it is Ritual the new new Neil Marshall? Uh, Bruckner, David Bruckner. Bruckner. Oh, Bruckner. Okay. Like, well, yeah, he's, mm, yeah. The trees look great, though. Like, he shot, like, the like when you're in that forest, he's like, I just wanted the trees to look big, so I didn't want to go 235. And I'm like, oh, well, I like that. Thank you. It was a good idea. Yeah, I just like yeah. It's it's funny because you look at that movie. Uh, you know, movie we always Aaron and I talk about a lot, like uh, Hateful Eight, where there's so much going on. It's such a claustrophobic movie. It's so big and interesting to look at, shot that way. That these other movies that try to be big in scope and stuff, these like CGI superhero thing, they they don't look near as big as Hateful Eight, and they, sh they should be the biggest ones we see. And then Cameron's not even. Really, I mean, I'm sure the avatars are they're shot IMAX, so they're not 235, but because TV is going to screw our movies up. So we got to shoot 185 or we got to compose fake 235 where they're really in the center all what, the time. Do, yeah. Stubborn. Do they think do you, is the, the idea that, oh, well, TVs are a 178 and 185 is too close to that. So we won't look like movies anymore. We'll look like TV. So it better be 235, even though our, our movie theater screens at the multiplexes are set for 185. And then it goes like this. Right. It used to be like this, but now mm -hmm. they, they reversed it. So it doesn't matter. Just shoot your movie in a good effect. Know how to frame stuff. Be effective with it. Make decisions. It. I mean, it. You know, it's not an inherent thing, but it does help that if you're just a good filmmaker and you have the eye. Yeah, we're just. I mean, we're loaded with people who are able to make so many damn films nowadays. It's 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 crazy. So we're let alone the means to study up on how certain people became accomplished. Like, yes, right. some some are just savants. So like, you're just not going to have that innate skill at some point. But it's not as though I mean, there's fucking master classes for this kind of thing at this point. So, like, yeah. you can you can certainly learn from the best to have to at least to at least know your lenses. Like, that's a. Well, that's he Exactly, yeah. Kevin Smith. Anyway. 
I do like the production design, the, the costume design here and the production design is nice. You got the yellows, mm-hmm. the beige, the kind of like for a young director, just to sort of think about giving a nice little color palette. It's mm-hmm. simple. It's not over the top. So, yeah, I mean, this dude knew what he was doing because he I also got, I mean, in addition to just knowing how to do this, he also you know, he read comics. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can take a lot from just like I get how you're, you know, figure out how colors work. How you make things stand out in a frame? I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. just picking picking up details. You know, what am I? What what makes this set interesting right here? Put a dartboard in the back, like you know, just little stuff. Like mm-hmm. it just makes all the difference. Makes it feel lived in. Put that coffee can on the on the thing. Like it just gives it a quality. That would have been my dart there below, right in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Uh, do, do, do have Corman and Carpenter interacted? Uh, he's, not, he's not from that tree, so I, I get know. that. So I just care because I mean they're both, you know, Carpenter is a better filmmaker, but they're both masters at stretching a dollar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just care if there's some like interview somewhere between like the two of them, just like that Nick Cage one, where they're just hanging out. It's nice not yeah. seeing the budget stretched on this too. Like he really does a good job of taking oh, yeah, whatever trendy. hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. Some of these movies you can feel the weight. Like the I like the second Purge movie, but that one kind of just really stretches his budget, and you can feel it. Like I think well, that, he that's, knew that's Blumhouse stretching, which you always yeah. feel when you Blumhouse tries to stretch. And, yeah, yeah. This is, well, because this is a western. You know, mm-hmm. it's secretly a western. Don't tell anybody. Uh, so he he's used to that, right? He's used to not having to show off in order to make it look more than it is. It would right. be simple by design to begin with. So there's not much else to. I mean, you know, the the work done to make it seem that way. That's one thing. But as far as you know, show as far as making a hundred thousand dollars look like a million dollars, like I don't need to do that. It's a western. Westerns are cheap. That's the point of westerns. <laughs> like. Right. And also, they're shutting this place down, so you don't have to make it super production designy. Like you don't have to make it immaculate. You can kind of make it look junky. That yep. works for you. That's, but that's it, not yeah. full of extras either. Yeah. It, it's something I like about. We'll get to get to speaking of secret westerns about the Three Ten to Yuma remake made by James Mangold, who's all all of his films, especially Girl, Girl Interrupted, are all secret westerns as well. Um, <laughs> that movie, like the climax of that film, has that whole set that's unfinished because they just couldn't finish it. So they're like whatever like that's how things will look like that way in the west we'll just have an unfinished house in the middle of the room like that's there's just like choices being made where it's like if you're making movies like this where it hinges doesn't hinge on the the showiness mm-hmm. of this of you know what you're trying to go for in terms of the story or the stuff what have you it's like it, it does it's the movie doesn't suddenly become better because you have a million dollar looking house in the middle of the screen right definitely true of halloween too that it doesn't need it wouldn't need to be any more expensive than it is Smart at thinking up that kind of thinking for the budget when he's thinking up the story. He's a rather uh, James Wan of his day. The blind work is good in this movie. It doesn't bother me. I was watching Con Air the other day and the the horizontal blind work was really bothering me. So like uh, I like the blind work. The lighting's good here. Simon West didn't pay enough attention to the, the blinds in Con Air. What does they bomb light in? I hate when they put a light that's like parallel with the ground and then just bomb it in, but it's like six o'clock and you just feel it. <laughs> like, what? The, what? Like, what? It's fine. Like, I know, I know Top Gun's shot during all like magic hour and that's fine. So there's, but, that's a Bruckheimer thing, I think, yeah. in general. Bruckheimer's movies tend to like always take place somehow at like magic hour, even <laughs> though like the scene before it's like noon. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> hold on here. <laughs> it's his homage to Days of Heaven. only natural light i like the 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 composition here is nice too you got like centered shots i just like the setup of that conversation right there he made a drab looking room look interesting
I'm gonna show this to my students. <laughs> Forget how much bouncing around we do in the first like 20 minutes of this thing. Like we're really setting up a lot, including the uh, the the blood cauldron. It's sort of just like bam, and then it yeah. runs off. Uh, yeah. You know, do you think he learned from this though? Because I mean, you have the opening shootout. You 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 have some violence involved, but then it's just a lot of character setup. But then you get like Halloween, where it's an immediate murder. You get hmm. uh, you know right off the bat. Like, do you think he learned to kind of catch audiences a little bit quicker uh, right off the bat to like get them invested, or do you think that beginning shootout did the trick? I think the beginning hmm. shootout might not be quite as executed well as he might have wanted. It feels a little bit cramped. You know, they're sort of looking, you know, the cops are shooting down into this, you know, shooting pigs in a barrel. But it doesn't, that opening never quite comes off for me. So maybe he, he wanted it to work the same way Halloween does, but it doesn't quite have that kick. Governor uh, knows how to find these, like, scraggly guys that, like, leave an impression. Like, that guy reminds me of the guy in Escape from New York who like, oh. counts down from 10. Yeah. <laughs> Is that him? It's not him. I just he just reminds me of that. It's that kind of character, right? Like as far as this kind of like, just like the, this like skinny, scrawny, disheveled guy that's just like, it's kind of like a major focus. Just kind of like that's a character. It's a character I don't want to deal with. <laughs> what has a better ice cream gag? This or Last Action Hero? This. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, so immediate. <laughs> I'm going to go as cosplay as this guy one time. Just find that shirt and wear find it around. Shirt, yeah. And then no one notices me. Go John Carpenter con. <laughs> JCC? JCC. <laughs> trying to think of a, a, a pun on one of his movies. The Thing? No. No. <laughs> no. They Sign? No. Big Trouble in Little Convention? The ward. That's the, ward of, the ward the con- colon a convention. <laughs> in the con of madness. <laughs> Ooh. Convention of darkness. Prince of conventions. Prince of conventions. Uh, convention team. Eh. Conventions of an invisible fan. That's a convention that's only in there you go. people. There you go. Chuck Cyphers. Oh. Yeah, there's a couple. Charles Cyphers and Annie. What's the name? Nancy, got, yeah. Nancy Keys. Nancy, Nancy, Nancy Keys, Nay Loomis, Keys. or whatever it is. Loomis, yeah. She she married Tommy Lee Wallace for a period of time. Oh, were they married? Yep. She didn't make a lot more a lot of movies after. No, Fog, and then she kind of just did her own. I think she went into opening like some sort of business or something. Let's mm-hmm. that. So, um, Napoleon, that's, uh, what's his name? Darwin Johnson, Justin, right? He was mm-hmm. what Carpenter's neighbor. He does. He was, that's part <laughs> of what so. he'll yeah, get yeah, him yeah, 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 yeah. He was his neighbor. Like, that was like, oh, he was? was? Yeah. So I'm going to move next to Rennie Harlan. And there just you go. <laughs> what are you <laughs> shooting? In that strangers movie. One of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah wait, what, what, are you, what are you shooting? Okay. Let's do another pool seed. Put a shark in it. Whoa. All right, never mind. That's that's another commentary. I like the Strangers Pray at Night pool scene, by the way. Beautiful moment. Oh gosh, yeah, that that's, movie, a, oh, that's awesome. an all-timer slasher scene. Yeah, that's great. Oh, the song, the lighting. They had to clean out the pool in between takes because so many bugs were flying into the pool. Oh boy. 
I love this guy though. He's perfect in this role. Yeah. Oh yeah. Each one of them so goddamn precious. <laughs> Got smoke. It's the kind of guy where it's like, like you, you know he's limited. Like that's the kind of guy where you look at is like he doesn't have many other ideas going on as far as the kind of roles he can play. So it's like give him as little dialogue as you need to, put him put his face on the camera, great face for camera, you're good. You're good to go. He's in the fog for a second, right? He's in the doctor or something in the fog. Uh yeah, right. He's, he's well, like Tony, we got Tony Burton who is Duke Tony in Burton. the Rocky movies. Yeah, right. He's yep. The that's like the, that's like the get for this. Him and like it's like, it's like for like if you feel like just a few people. Mm-hmm. Well, Rocky right. was the same year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, this is seventy six. I'm thinking I'm, I'm, my yep. mind's in eighty one with like Escape. <laughs> he does do a good job of protecting um, what Darwin Jostin. Like he he kind of knows how to use them. You're right. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. Here's where we establish that they're uh, not going to, well, they don't need to say the number, but they're not out of precinct 13, right? They're like precinct, mm-hmm. like what, 14, something nine or something? Or yeah. Something like, that. something like that. This is just putting all the, well, I love it. This is setting up all the chess pieces. That's what the thing is. Like, I always think that like the girl gets killed like way sooner mm-hmm. in this movie and we're really like a third of the way into it. Well, that's really the inciting incident. That starts. It's the inciting incident, yeah. The but the reason. but it's good setup. I mean, you know, I I understand all the pieces here at this point. By the way, this girl, this is uh, what's her name? Kit. This is a uh, Kim Richards' um, older sister, or Kyle Richards' older sister, Kyle, Kim Richards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Who's Kyle Richards? She um, plays in Halloween. In Halloween, mm-hmm. she's one of the real housewives as well. Who comes back for the? This is the little girl from Escape from Escape to Witch Mountain, um, and Tough Turf. Yeah, and her right. and her younger sister is Lindsay in Halloween, who comes back in these new Halloweens. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. She's in Kills and Ends. She was the bartender in Ends, and okay. she's the one who hides in the woods and kills. One of one of the original survivors. Yep. I do love y'all's uh, Halloween Ends episode, by the way, because oh, yeah. there's a lot of talk about bullies, and I love it. <laughs> Pete's obsessed with them. <laughs> that was good. You guys explored it well. Yeah. Great tunnel fight. It, it does have a good tunnel fight. <laughs> That's how I break down movies like Schindler's List. Great uses of red. <laughs> Is that it, Mark? Yeah. There's good tunnel scenes last year in general. Yeah, there was uh, Men, a movie that otherwise didn't do much for me, but that tunnel scene was oh, 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 such a such a good tunnel scene. Girl, get get out of here. You don't need no ice cream right now. <laughs> This is where the ice cream guys have guns permanently under their dashboard. Did I mention they're filming in South Central LA in the seventies? This is what it's, this is, I mean, it's a really bombed out look that he found to shoot this in Anderson, California. But the whole place seems like it's been evacuated, not just the precinct. Well, here's yeah. my question that I've had: Is it like, is this like Warriors, mm-hmm. where it's like not too distant future, or is this supposed to be like contemporary, somewhere in time and space, temporary. like Predator Two? Predator is pretty deliberate. Like, like the like I say, the Warriors because that like doesn't say a specific time. It just uh, like yeah, it's, not, you know, gang, quite, gangs took over. Yeah, not quite not conquest of the future. planet of the not, apes. Not but, yeah, I mean you've got the Although star battle of the planet of the apes, so I mean it might yeah. as well be the future. <laughs> That's true. Not yeah, too distant future. It's called low budget sci-fi, and yep. they're not too distant future, like Free Jack. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I, I <laughs> looking at this movie, I'm not saying yes, it's definitely set in the future, but it does feel like there's a deliberateness to having like just the bombed out areas, such a lack of anything going on, which yes, comes from you know budget. Well, New York is set in the future, and that's kind of a well, we know that for sure. I mean, it's a fucking prison, like, it's like <laughs> right. <laughs> good good yep. lockups on this flavor. street. The fateful wrong flavoring. I think it is. Uh, I just, I just think I, I'm thinking. Girls, it, uh, I don't think these are the good guys. <laughs> that is one of the nastiest moments in a in an American B movie. It's just American so cold. American. It's so, so cold poor. and casual. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, it's not necessarily graphic. It's just like it's like he's it. bored. Girl, man, yeah. shoot her dead through her ice cream cone. <laughs> I mean, that was the idea, right? He didn't want to have them be sympathetic. He didn't want to have them be like he didn't want them to tie him to any specific gang. He just wanted them to be evil, like a horde. I want to know like that zombies. his mom took his cereal away from him when he was five. <laughs> and then the girl he asked out said no the same day and his frog died. And then it all led to this moment. So I understand it could sympathize with him shooting this little girl. That gross guy from the devil's rejects was a stepdad. Yes, exactly. That's what I need to know. That's what I just, I need to know that. Because that somehow comforts me in watching a movie with a villain. This, this is where this guy Mark the movie for five minutes, and then just, yeah, Martin, Martin yeah. West right here he melts into Gary Busey for a little bit. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> star, star of Lost Highway, Gary Busey. So. <laughs> Watch that. The other a Wonder Bread shirt that he's wearing. I don't know. I'd be surprised if you could find that. Well, nowadays, you certainly can. You know, go bring to the, it back. Go to Carpenter Month at Hot Topic. I'm sure we'll find that shirt. Oh, they are. What are they out of on the? Is that go, a something bar? Just go to JCC. You could get one of those shirts. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. <laughs> In the kind of madness. Assault on Booth 13. You pick it up right there, and <laughs> they got great shirts. shirts. You got to fight through windows and uh, <laughs> blinds, and like don't punch doors in to get to the shop. There's a guy. There's a guy sitting down by the cash box. You got a cigarette. <laughs> and if you're nice to them they'll yeah. let you in yep. yeah at, yeah at a, at a big convention a little poster you can get a, <laughs> a signed a, a signed shirt 11 by 17 posters yeah. only though yeah. they don't go bigger than that yeah. it's whatever the printer could fit postcards are 50 cents can you sign my ice cream cone <laughs> I want to go to JCC now. It's great. <laughs> Body bags where you can get sleeping bags with John Carpenter posters as the uh, knitted art on them. Mark Campbell's definitely signing. Yeah, he's yeah. He'll be a guest there. Bringing Christine to sit next to the car. She actually goes to conventions. Really? Yeah, yeah. My uh, guy, know Justin Beam. He used to be in charge of like supervising Christine at conventions. Wow. Yeah, he asked me that like he was it went in town one time and he asked me if I could cover for like a couple hours, but I was not in town. Or I would have been like in charge of Christine for a bit. I don't know if I'd want that. What happened then? We know what happened then. You yeah, know. exactly. Then you'd like be walking home and there's yeah, an on right. on a, on a yeah, we didn't ask you to uh, drive headlights yeah. in the back of you somewhere. Didn't so you're going full T town, Christine. Is there only one Christine? There's, uh, there's gotta be a few. I'd there's imagine. one that I mean, yeah. There's a convention one. It's probably one that travels. Yeah, travels but, and yeah. No, it's just a cursed car. It actually rebuilds itself all the time, so it takes care of itself, really. It doesn't even have to wash. Yeah, it just won. <laughs> I'm just happy you didn't have to go, what, what Titan, T10, when you uh, watch the car, so that's good. Yeah. That helps. 
<laughs> it does. <laughs> this is uh, this is Austin Stoker, right? He just passed yeah. uh, a couple mm-hmm. months ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Ninety-two, ripe old age. He was ninety-two. Hey, maybe we yeah. all live to be that old. So he's already in his forties here, then. Yeah. He was in. Is he in Foxy Brown or Coffee? He's in one of the big. Yeah, is, is Friday Foster? Um, no, yeah, he's on. Friday Foster. He's in Sheba Baby. Oh, Sheba. Okay. Yeah, he's. He notably like he does a lot of uh, that's right action movies that aren't speci- like that aren't specifically um, uh, black exploitation, which helps or not mm-hmm. help, but like it, it puts him in a different kind of you know he's not Richard Roundtree, right, right. And he's just doing movies, he, oh, yeah. yeah, just exactly he's just doing. But yes, he does have Sheba Baby. That's that's the, that's right. That's the main uh, black exploitation one. And I mean, but Battle of the we all we've all generally said that Battle for the Planet of the Apes is the most black of the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's little shots like that when they close the door on Napoleon that he's framed right through there that just make me so happy. Like it elevates it from other mm-hmm. low budget films. Like they took time to figure out these shots, and it mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel totally. Um, hey, like this watch us be stylish. It actually makes sense. It kind of shows him in yeah. there. So I, I love that about it. He was Sometimes- in three from hell. Sorry, mm-hmm. so he, he was, that, that seems like zombie being like, oh, I can get the guy from a soldier precinct thirteen in my movie. Hey, that's one thousand percent. Three from hell. That's a, that's also how you describe watching it. It just Man. it can't. I feel like if he had that energy and he made that much sooner than he did, mm-hmm. probably could have made wrapped up a solid trilogy. Yeah, but, we got uh, the wrong yeah. zombie for that one. Yeah, especially because Sid Haig would have been more alive at that point, more you know, game to I think be involved in in, in that as opposed to. Mm-hmm. Not that Richard Brake was bad in the like you know he's doing no zombies getting really good stuff out of Richard Brake. Like, he is. He's good in the monsters. Yeah, he's good in the monsters. <laughs> like he was. I mean, thirty one's not great, but Richard Brake's fine. Oh yeah, he's the best part of that. Yeah, um, and he's he's having fun in Barbarian. Richard Brake's becoming a nice little more yeah, yeah. yeah. actor. He's and Mandy. Ma- oh, and yeah, Mandy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. I remember watching yeah, Devil's Rejects. That movie stole my soul. Like I, yeah. I didn't know what I was getting in for, but it's so effective and it's so uh, nasty uh, and. I watched it with like a group of people and we all just got the life sucked out of us, like in a good way. We we're all like, just what did I get robbed? Like it was just well, technically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is nuts. Like Freebird. Uh, yeah, I, I never I I never saw I, I did I didn't see House House of the House of a Thousand Corpses as of yet. I just but I my friend friend of the show Scooter, uh, he got tickets to see Devil's Rejects early. So I went with him. And I had a blast with it, and I was, but I like in a way where it's like, this is wild. I did not expect what this is going to be, but it is just this grimy '70s thing with like lots of style and whatnot, and it was, it worked for me. I enjoyed it. Do you <laughs> I think it multiple do, times? Do you think Deacons would like this shot? You got the headlights, you got the street lights, really kind of practically lit at night. I mean, there's definitely an overhead source, but it looks pretty good for nighttime shooting. It's, it's not doing yeah. day for night. It's is real that a, night. Yeah. Is that a, is that a Hold on, is there a shadow of a box right there? There's someone following with that camera? Oh, no. <laughs> I like that this guy went down. You think he's going right, to be... Right away, yeah. Yep. Like, he's not yep. a final boss whatsoever. Yeah, you think you're going to save him for the end, but nope. It's good framing, too. Like, no emotion, just feed around it. Yeah. The Cholo. I love a random phone box. That's a great phone box. <laughs> I put that there, or if it was already there. In the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a dirt field. <laughs> Wonder if this is him doing Lawrence of Arabia. 
in a way. Yeah. Hmm. Need some bullets though. It would be nice. It would have been cool if like a like the glass chinked. He's like, wait, oh. what? And he looked and saw that guy coming. Yeah. That'd have been cool. And there's we'll two tell, of them we'll, all of a sudden. We'll bring that up at JCC. Yep, yep, yep. On our panel. <laughs> Um, <laughs> this is us four sitting on stage <laughs> debating these little bits. <laughs> this, you know, there's a lot of cigarette bombs. Like, for, all the, for all the simplicity that we're doing, there's a lot of subversion of like what to expect from this movie, right? Like, we just murdered like mm-hmm. what seemed like the lead bad guy. We've switched perspectives multiple times as far as who we're supposed yeah. to be following. We have this guy, we have our cop, we have our bad guy like anti-hero type it's like which which of these matters the most at this point like that what are we what are we getting into obviously it's going to lead to something like this and if you're a Rio Bravo fan or even Night of the Living Dead like you have an idea of what we're getting into but you know Car- Carpenter's he's pulling some tricks here as far as goes its own way that's the thing yeah. Uh, yeah. you know where it's you know where his inspirations are coming from but he tells us he doesn't like mock the like you know Austin Stoker makes it out of here he doesn't get incidentally shot leaving you know like right oh he's not going romero yeah i mean that's what a lot of people would do nowadays like oh i see where you go oh they did it then it's telegraph stuff and and carpenter here is just you know i like the concept of that maybe i borrow a shot or two but i'm gonna tell my own this is very prince of darkness right here too you can tell he's oh yeah 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 carpenter's all about like real people in an enclosed place you know here Halloween, yeah. uh, you know, it's Escape from New York. Essentially, is enclosed in a in a smaller space. The ward, uh, the ward, yes, the, <laughs> the ward, ward is itself. in the ward. Um, you know, uh, in the mouth of madness is in a small town. Uh, wow, this makes small. this makes me think. Prince what of Darkness, yeah. This makes me wonder what he thinks of something like Ambulance, where it's like just giant tracking shots using drones or whatnot, <laughs> where he's just like, here's you know, establishing shot. Now we're inside. One two one two. What kind of projector <laughs> do you think he has at home to watch that? Like he is, he's got his own home theater at home, and he doesn't like to go out. He didn't like to leave the house. I'm curious if so. he's like hum, if he's like so like humble that he just has like you know a really nice 4K, <laughs> not in like an entire theater. He probably does. I'm yeah. sure, but still, it seems like it seems like he wouldn't mind also being like, let's turn on the old Panasonic over here. <laughs> and and I down, put my feet yeah, up on the chair. Yeah, I, exactly. I have to wonder if those little shout factory bumpers he does every now and then where he's sitting in a theater i'm like is that his house that was his <laughs> theater could be. could be has he liked anything lately has he has he talked about any horror movies that he's, he's loved get, yeah yeah he yeah. what did he he just talked about something um yeah um oh what was it i'll look it up let's talk about it. barbarian hey look at that horizontal blind work yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know what's nice too? You keep the simple story, like the story simple. You just focus on characters, like Scream yeah. 9101. Like I, I think most of his movies, people trapped in a police station, boom. Oh, like, yeah. Then you have more character moments. It's he can keep it high concept, but also have a lot of time for characters. We know he liked Mandy because he had the interview of Cage. Yeah. He's a Mandy oh, fan, right? Well, um, he, he like he likes Jordan Peele. That's what it is. He likes Jordan Peele stuff. He likes what he's doing. Yeah, he finds him exciting. To, to your point, Mark, we were talking, we've talked about this before, but like the difference between like the old movies and now is now like anything you want's possible in a film, basically. And like we used to be like, you can't, you know, this movie can't sit and do action all the time. So it has to focus on writing its down moments really well to keep people engaged, to keep you going. 
Um, and it's those in-between moments that make these movies special um, because they were limited to things. Even the biggest movies were limited. You couldn't do the big action. You had your big action set pieces, but you couldn't always do the big action. You couldn't always do this. So there's the downtime moments, the character moments where even your blockbusters were a bit more rich. Um, now you just you can do whatever. Mm-hmm. all the time you want you know you want a big monster to show up well, well we'll have it there and we'll get the guys on their laptops get it going and you can do that but this you know he's got to focus on that because you can't just have action 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 all the time oh absolutely Which i mean like those big mcu movies right it's like yep. I, I just like the, the ultron they're just chilling and partying or like mm-hmm. uh walton goggins talking about his food in ant-man the wasp those are the highlights those are the highlight scenes in general like you Mm -hmm. know you when i when i think of like the avengers movies like a signature scene of all of them is still that party scene in the in age of ultron where we're all just hanging out at the party like that's Mm -hmm. if if there was three hours of just that that'd be the best avengers movie (laughs) like hands down but it it feels (laughs) like they've almost learned the wrong lessons from that scene to where it's just like because there's meta, less good writing. Meta, I mean, meta, the yeah, like, where it's just like meta snark because of that scene, yeah. which was well done. And I, you know, you got Josh Whedon is talent wise is pretty good at things he does. He's able to write that stuff a lot better than some yeah, of the people that's, that bring it I in. Mean, yeah. You know, it's talking like, that's talking like, you know, Carpenter knockoffs or Tarantino yeah. knockoffs. Like, yeah, it's fun to try. <laughs> I yeah, mean, right. it doesn't mean you're going to work. <laughs> They're shooting at the cans. Yeah. There goes the clock. How do you he know hates, what time he it hates is? his office. <laughs> they hate favorite the whole piece of paper in any movie is a piece of paper that gets shot into the air. What do you think they do? A document or whatever it is. It gets a few shots of being buffeted by silenced. I, I know Carpenter said this is like the most fun he's had making a movie, which makes sense mm-hmm. if you're just kind of running and gunning, doing stuff in 20 days, having fun, never doing stuff like this before. What do you think they're doing here? Do you think they're just like firing pellet guns and stuff at windows and throwing <laughs> rocks and things? And this is like, a, throwing, like throwing papers on them for those shots. Firecrackers? No. Oh, it's Tommy Lee Wallace's job. So um, I don't know. They probably have firecrackers under that map, but the windows? The windows probably just like tossing rocks and shit. <laughs> yeah, we're just firing BB guns. Great. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the sound design, the way this you know, is sugar glass oh. and whatnot. Well, there's a lot of cuts. There's there. A, there's there's like he's got, he's keep liking them ducking because it's just a dump more paper. I want to be the special effects or props guy in that scene, just chucking paper in the air. That would be that would be heaven. That's the dream job. Love that he comes back to that pile of paper. <laughs> shot of the piece of paper being shot up. They're like blowing up was, all the files. It's like right. that's literally people just throwing paper in yeah, here. Totally. Right totally. <laughs> well, Douglas, we're gonna have to let you go free. We can't find any of your papers in here. <laughs> the snipers are that good that they yeah. destroyed every piece of evidence that uh they didn't get the kitty calendar though. Damn. Oh, look at that. <laughs> And all those, yeah, they didn't hit one of those frames. Those were probably up to begin with there. They're like, you can't. One bullet just hits him right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Carpenter, he likes peel. That's that's like one of his things that he's like. He doesn't mm-hmm. He doesn't want, he doesn't acknowledge the term elevated horror because he's like, what the fuck oh, is that? Yeah, yep. Um, oh, don't bring that up. But I'm sure, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm sure he sees stuff. 
Like, but he also didn't they know, try to write like a slam article on him saying he doesn't believe in elevated horror, like an they, out of context, like old yeah, man because, gripes at new movies. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know <laughs> that's that's the way to get clicks. Yeah. Um, Did no one watch like Bride of Frankenstein and like those movies that were very like had some really great themes and like mm-hmm. tied to other issues? Like elevated horror is not new, y'all. Sorry, it's not even a thing. No. <laughs> But I, I do think Get Out does a great job of like synthesizing a bunch of different ideas and becoming like a big crowd pleaser. So there's a lot to appreciate yeah. there. I can see how Carpenter digs it. Just Peel's a student of the game. Like he, he yeah. knows horror. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. I love a good hallway shot. I like when it's cramped like this. Mm-hmm. I like the framing right there too. Nice little rack focus. Yeah. We talked over it a bit. I mean, we talked about it, but like that whole um, uh, Richard's getting shot with the ice cream. Uh, big controversial scene. It wasn't an easy thing for him to do. They had to Mm-mm. work with the MPAA to still get the R rating and not an really? X rating. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was an intense battle, but yes, it was a, a, que- a scene that was questioned given the spirit of it. That, you know, nego- needed more negotiation than just, sure, R rating. <laughs> Make sure to convince him that that was okay. I mean, it does a good job setting up the villains. You just don't get stuff like that as far as just murdering a child cold, you know, cold blood in that way. So that's, you know, even the 70s, which were already dark, still, you know, a new thing to say. And this, you know, this movie is not quite an action movie, not quite a horror movie, not quite a thriller because it's just, it's kind of blending a lot of things, right? So, like, we talked about First Blood, which is like, the first modern action movie or whatever you want to call it, right? Then this is, you know, this is an action movie-ish, but mm-hmm. it's more thriller, western, and all these things. So this didn't get pegged as a video nasty, but that could kill? <laughs> I don't, well, London loved this movie. Like, one London critic gave it a great review, and then this movie became, became more of a cult hit overseas before it became one over here. Oh, yeah, it hit big. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, there was a couple, co- yeah. yeah like, like you mentioned, yeah, see the reviews over here, you know whatever but like and there was one critic in london who like loved this movie and then like it became it became more popular at that time over there and then eventually made its way over here i've heard it's been mentioned but i think i think it was gibson i believe it was what mel gibson like mentioned it as far as being like a one that he really liked and that like helped rental sales go up for this movie mm-hmm. at that time oh really yeah i mean it's so lean and good yeah, <laughs> yeah. come on that score, man. The score is, is the thing that ties it all together. It's so mm-hmm. basic <laughs> and effective. We good window, about, good window work there. We talked about Lori Zimmer here at all? No. Like she yeah. has this like incredibly short career. Uh like in it's kind of interesting. <laughs> like, this is like, Halloween, you, right? No. Uh but that's she, that's that's Loomis or that's, whatever. She, she's oh. all, yeah, she's also yeah. in the fog too. She goes. That's that's yellow, not orange. Uh, yeah. oh, okay, got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, orange. She seems quite competent. Gives a pretty solid performance. You think she'd been in things before this? Nope. Um, and her character's name Lee, of course, probably offered Lee Brackett, which mm-hmm. uh, Halloween would have a you know Sheriff Brackett because. That's one of there, John Carpenter's favorite writers. Um, there, there's literally a wow. documentary called Do You Remember Lori Zimmer that goes over like what happened. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I got to watch that now. It came out in 2003. It's like an hour. Um, 
I guess some French filmmaker decided I wanted to like explore what happened to this actress that I guess I probably like from a celebrity big 13. So he did. <laughs> and she just quit acting. You know, that's what it comes down to. She just quit. <laughs> It was interesting earlier that they kind of had them in a triangle formation. Now they're in a straight line. Like I, I like the way that they're lining these people up to get the like the the one shot save film, but then still get the coverage. Like, yeah. I, I dig all the different ways that they did this. Using up the frame in interesting ways. Uh-huh. And they're like they kind of go down, they descend from like height wise too. Uh-huh. Really interesting. That is good nights. I like good like night shots in like seventies, early eighties <laughs> yeah. movies. Like speaking of the Warriors, oh god, um, like, <laughs> like seeing a good like we're not going to do day for night. We're just going to like light it, but light it in a way where it makes some kind of sense. It's like yeah, the moon or street light, probably a street light. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I get you. <laughs> there's something there. Yeah, Spider Man. He connects to something. I guess he just shoots it up, and we there. assume there's a building. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, they didn't have that giant. Someone on some sets I worked on, they had those big, like, kind of blimp type lights that could set, go up in the air and simulate moonlight. That just makes it look totally inorganic. But mm-hmm. it's probably like a hundred thousand dollars to rent. <laughs> this is just replace some uh, street lamps, make them a little brighter. Yeah. Uh oh. But you've already you've already set up the location, right? He's already looked out, so you know where they're looking at. This is good. Yep. It is interesting though when you are like on set of like a prof- like professional nighttime like shoot or whatever, uh, with big old lights glaring. It's and it's yet it still feels like nighttime even though everything's lit up so well. Like, um, you know whether it translates to screen or not. But when you're actually there in person, it's, it's an odd feeling. It's like well, mm-hmm. it's well lit, but it's oh, night. It's nighttime as hell, but <laughs> it still feels that way. Here's the Especially problem the with this game. I never thought about that before, but yeah, his first four or five movies, there's so much night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Night yeah. Night, can't be an easy thing to pull footage, off. Like, you know? like Escape from New York is all It's all night. night. Yeah. yeah. A lot of Halloween, a lot of the fog is night, and it's mm-hmm. not stage stuff. It's yeah. Here's the problem here. with this gang. They're just not clear in their messaging. Like, okay, you poured the blood on the ground. Cool. You have trolling. a banner. You don't even spread out the banner. Like, what are we supposed to be communicating here, guys? I mean, we just had a reasonable negotiation tactic. Maybe we could get some some headway on this, but instead, you're just like you just botched it right from the start here. <laughs> I'm just they're saying. Yeah, once they once they got rid of their fun. leader, it seems like it all went to hell because it's like who's who's just dropping a little you know rag on the ground? Like, what does this mean? I don't know. I can't read it. Well, is this like well, he knows it's the Cholo. What's his name? The guy from Iraq. He knows. It's I I'm glad that he knows, but like the rest of them can't do anything about that. They just see the rest of them. We're all dead. He's gonna. They're gonna kill us off for the to get back at the. I mean, but like they, they clearly spent time putting something on this rag. Like I want to see what's on the rag. I don't want to see them crumpled up rag on the. It's the Cholo. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> just like if they, if, if, if the gang put a little bit more thought into this. Maybe we could have parsed things out. Could have killed them all. <laughs> it would. It could have been just more organized. Is what I'm saying. I love this. Sh- yes, yeah, great. Get them out of the cells. It's a siege. It's a goddamn siege. <laughs> they put up a sign that just says, "You're dead." Seriously, <laughs> at least we are going. Something. We are going to shoot you. I think other siege movies. That, yeah, like Night Living Dead is a siege movie. Ghost of Mars is a siege yeah, movie. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Rio Bravo, of course. Bravo, he loves yeah. these things. The Rio Bravo, Rio Bravo Two, still Robin, still Bravo. Uh, what's it called? Um, the other one, not with Dean Martin. Oh, Rio Bravo. The other, the other one. Yeah, oh, El Dorado. Yeah, El Dorado. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
Is uh is they live like his most daytime movie? Wow, um, right. That or memoirs or memoirs. vampires has a lot of What's, day. But Mouth of Madness surprisingly has a lot more light in it than <laughs> you'd true. expect. What about the violin movie? Because Big Trouble is even. Night, well, that's a lot of day. Like, it's a lot. No, that's that's totally night. The underground, yeah, yeah, underground. Starman maybe is. Starman's a, got a lot of. Starman's a pretty good half, mix, probably. Yeah. I'd say, pro- yeah, probably, probably. Uh, they live or memoirs. They yeah. live is very. That's what oh, and, I love. And, this I love. Oh. The damn might have a lot of day. Oh, it's a, that's a mix too. Like I, I watched that pretty recently. It's a it's a. It, there's certainly there's more day than usual in a Carpenter film, but it's still a pretty big mix as far as Evan. Go did back you know? Uh, did you know Michael Michael Paré was like the Janet Lee for that film? Did you know that? <laughs> That's what he wants you to know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take people by surprise by getting off early. It's like I thought I was seeing a Michael Paré picture. What is this crap? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to the new Michael Paré movie. <laughs> Paré for you. Gift. Two tickets to the new Michael Paré movie, please. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like 90 what 93 like dude have, uh, no, your time per- passed man like, 96 yeah. have, oh, uh, Jesus. nice catch no, have Paray and Lambert great. ever been in a movie together ooh Paray and Lambert uh, you need Paray <laughs> Lambert and Michael Vincent <laughs> together yeah, Michael Vincent you mean yeah yeah Michael Vincent that's Jean Paray and Lambert <laughs> all of them all of them It'll be not, movie. I love our Night of the Living Dead stuff right here. I wonder, speaking what of are, Night what are Dead, I'm curious whether this part was written for a black actor or did he just cast one? What, uh, this movie, he said he just cast actors. Yeah, like he, just cast. yeah. yeah. It's it's whoever's available, black actor in a part that wasn't necessarily written for any. It's got, it's got two written. black actors and well, because Carpenter's, you know, he's he's a He's a hippie. Like he doesn't give well, a shit yeah, about I any mean, of this. Like he's he's like, yeah, I'm just casting people. <laughs> yeah, if you, I mean, you look at he goes through liberal cynic. <laughs> yeah, skip. Yeah, yeah, he's a cynic, he's a cynical hippie, but he's still happy. he's a hippie at heart. So, I mean, he's always had that kind of like. Yeah, of course. That's what I love about Carpenter. He's a liberal. He's a cynic. Well, this I mean, is one of the Carpenter's it ends on a upbeat moment. Uh-huh. If you think about it, they're victorious, and that's kind of the end of this movie. Almost every other Carpenter movie ends on a moment of uncertainty and right, <laughs> right. Which is one of the things that makes him so wonderful because he's an auteur and you can really grasp it with him because the attitude is in every movie. This sort of not trusting authority, you know, the way that uh, just the way that you were talking earlier, Mark, about the um, Ghost of Mars, the way that Natasha Henstridge sort of is rewarded for taking drugs in that movie <laughs> is a very Carpenter thing. You know, I I, I, I I like that edge of his. I don't put it past him, but like. You know, he's so much more about commenting on authority over anything else. So, like race, I don't think really plays much. And you know, he's 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 an old white man. He's he's been old since he was twenty. Like, I don't, it's just not a thing that I think <laughs> yeah. really enters his head as far as a chief thematic that he wants to pull into. You can argue some of that, and a lot of it comes down like like Ghost of Mars. I can't recall if Ice Cube was like first choice or not. Was there someone mm-hmm. else that he wanted? I think maybe. Or well, Ice Cube was it, just like Napoleon. It was a, I mean, it was a it was a reworked. Escape from New York three script. So mm-hmm. wait, really? Yeah, oh, really? it was supposed to be Escape from Mars. Um, and they didn't. After Escape from L.A. tanked, he had to pivot and rework that script into something else. And I believe the Ice Cube part was what was Snake Plissken before. Makes, Makes sense. sense. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's you know, I don't think it's beyond him to be 
understanding the fact that yeah casting black characters in certain roles makes a certain kind of statement or impact but i don't think it's also on his mind he's like writing the script down either because you would never call this a black exploitation movie but i'm sure it played in the same theaters in times square as it can if it it could catch on like i could see that happen i mean it is an exploit yeah I, i could see that for sure it's good hair lighting but even like the yeah. movie, them because the way they end or play out, like it just doesn't <laughs> on a kind of uh, the the level that I'm judging it right now. As we're talking about this theme off, offhand, I can't see that really permeating in many of his films. I mean, you have like David Keith and the Thing and They Live or whatnot. Like, I don't think it really adds oh, a, another shot. layer. That's a good back and forth. Yeah, what a dolly. How much of the choice here has to do with Night of the Living Dead? You know, Keith David, he said he didn't get much work after The Thing. It was like, no. up until they live. That's a bummer. Was that his first movie, The Thing, Keith David? No, he was in, he's had other things. That was probably his, I don't know if it's, yeah, I don't know if it's a major studio, but he's he's been around. But yeah, that's an early role for sure. That dolly yeah. shot makes me so happy, guys. <laughs> he's like small things in the 70s. Oh, what a cool idea there. That makes me so happy. Disco Godfather. <laughs> no, the thing was, yeah, okay. It's like it's it is really early for sure. Theater before that, probably. Probably, yeah. With that voice, <laughs> of course. They have to get extra seats outside the room because they can hear him so far. This is gonna sound crazy, but he's kind of like the really low budget horror Cameron because Cameron's like, I'm gonna make Fern Gully danceable woes with Avatar. I'm going to do Titanic. We all know it sinks, but I'm going to toss in a love story. We're going to have a robot chasing a woman. Like he keeps it pretty, I don't know. Most of his plots seem pretty simple. They're, they're economical. Like, yeah. Easy to absorb. And then he can do a ton of character work and CGI stuff. Like they kind of do the same thing. They're totally different, but you know what I mean? Like they, they know how to focus on characters and kind of no, they admire, uh, what's well, important. Well, as we all know, uh, you know, Cameron worked on Carpenter's. Yeah, <laughs> escape from, from New York. Matt, yeah. the greatest Matt painter of all time. Where he was uh, famously liked and cheered, I believe, was what they said on the, yep. uh, on the special features for that. Yeah, they were afraid to talk about that, man. <laughs> well, they didn't like him back then. He was too. Uh, well, he didn't talk about it at all. I, I'm sure he wanted to have his way, and he got it. And the results are there. He did the matte paintings, right? Yep. yep. Some damn good looks. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> And no one, no one better say anything else about that. Uh, Two Towers. That's a siege movie. Oh, yeah, it Rome's is. deep. Um, tower, yeah. I'm just thinking of more. Uh, Seven Samurai, and then by default, any other remake of Seven Samurai. Right. I'm trying to look up double feature, like double tremors. That this movie played with, and all I could find is that obviously double build with Halloween went around the time Halloween came out yeah. places. But I'm just curious to see what they they paired it up with. Tremors, they don't really fend anything off. Tremors is just like, they get there. It's like, oh, I guess we got to go. <laughs> That's Wait, it. Dog soldiers. Dog soldiers. Dog, yeah. yeah. Dog soldiers. Which is inspired by this. <laughs> no, the siege, is that a siege? Ed Zwick's The Siege? I don't remember. I don't no, it's it not. No, it's no, not no. at all. No, it's, it's just a bad movie. Um, really bad. <laughs> Strangers? Home invasion. That's Yeah, that's all. Uh, <laughs> which is a siege of sorts. Deep blue sea. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just naming movies when the movie's playing. 
under siege no because they go underneath so it doesn't matter um, <laughs> right. that's how it works that's how that's what happens they go under the siege green room does that count as a siege movie oh sure i love that movie it hits so hard um, i love that line at the have y'all seen it right yeah i have yeah you're so much scarier at night like that line just where's solid yay where's he been where's he been he did that that um he got off his colors. Oh, he, did, he was. Uh, uh, he did because um, he did uh, True Detective. True Detective. He did True Detective. Yeah. Hold the dark. Yeah, that was the Netflix movie mm-hmm. with uh, with what's his name? The Wolves. Gordon. Um, Jeffrey Wright. Um, what's okay? Rebel Ridge. That's what he has next. What's this? Thriller. Yeah, Blue Ruin and Green Room back to back. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, Blue Ruin so good. Murder Party though. He likes murder. That's, that's a, a that's fun, a fun movie. Yeah, it is a fun movie. Oh, Blue Ruin. I oh, I love Blue Ruin. I got to interview him about that one. So that was Rebel Ridge with Don oh, Johnson, okay. James Badgedale, James Cromwell. Ooh, he loves some Badgedale. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what it's about, but that, that is next. What's it's, called, uh, it's a Netflix movie. Good looking out a window work here. <laughs> <laughs> it's an art, y'all. <laughs> They're not seeing anything. Make it convincing. Yeah. yeah. Tony Burton's doing it. Look at it. <laughs> I'm looking at some gaffer drinking a co- looking at a gaffer drinking coffee right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. I had for a long time as my answering machine when I was a young man. This segment, this dialogue about the save ass plan, I think it's here. I'm not sure where he where he talks about. I run like a bastard, and that's just just that clip of my <laughs> voice message machine, and you got to understand that that was me. <laughs> Most didn't. What's the film within Inglorious Bastards called that? Um... Nation's Pride. Nation's Pride. That's a siege movie because yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, he's, like, he's a sniper yeah. sniping everybody, holding everyone back. Yeah. I guess the Kurt, the Kurt, the TV movie of the Kurt Russell, uh, whatever state college that was that got shut up by the sniper is sort of a sniper movie. Oh, okay. I'm more of a 14 fifth of McCluskey guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the, yeah. 300's a siege movie. And from yeah, Dustin, it's not a siege gates. movie, but they're sort of it's sort of an inside be, a building siege. It's more of like yeah, it's a protect ourselves siege movie. Like it becomes something. Yeah, <laughs> you look but like someone got a big trouble little China or, or a salty piece of thirteen shirt on the kid, like you said. So yeah, he's thinking about this movie or Rodriguez is or somebody. Would like, uh, the birds be kind of a siege movie? They're stuck in that house and. Well, the point of a siege, though, is that you're fighting. You're fighting them off. They're just like they're just trying to figure stuff out before the birds get in. Basically, right? Like they're not. The birds are not, getting in, and they're fighting. But they're not active. They, yeah, for one thing, the birds are winning, but they're not actively fighting the birds either. They're just like this is fucked, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, what we do right, here. Right. <laughs> it's funny. Rio I, I, I Bravo certainly entertain this. Real Bravo is not that similar to this. Uh, not, like it's yeah, no, no not real. Like that's more the. I think the Night of the Living Dead thing comes in handy. Wait, like, do we do we say yeah. straw dogs? Straw straw dogs. There you go. Yeah. And the end of Skyfall. <laughs> yeah, Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> two man siege. You can't have a two man siege. You just got to be a bunch of people. I love this. Con- I love this conversation here. Like they're gonna get us to the like they're coming at us to the like we're gonna die in here. They don't care. And someone's spitting his socks. No one's ever spitting one of my socks. Hmm. That you know of. That's true. Mail one to me. We can change that. 
I just, I just go to UPS tomorrow, send you some. And you spend next, ne- next Might be dried out. out by the time we get there. Uh, next year's I don't know. Christmas gifts are going to be a real surprise. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great example, too, I'm sure, of you know film schools existing. And you got a little B-movie like this that is clearly made by someone who's very familiar with film technique. That, that wouldn't have been the yeah. case 10 years before, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and like Carpenter was the USC kid that wasn't in cahoots and gang with the Scorsese and all that. Yeah. Like he He won an Oscar for an early thing that Billy, Billy, the wild Billy or whatever, right? Carpenter. Didn't he win an Oscar Uh, for a short film while he was still at USC? I think he won like he won some sort of like mock Oscar, like, like student Oscar thing or something like that. I don't think he won an actual Oscar. Um, They wouldn't dare give him one. I would love to see his shorts. I would kill to see his shorts. Someone, do a release of them. Where's all this light coming from right now? Are there automobiles outside shooting through parallel? The moon, moon, moon's moving around. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, the, the moon it was facing the other way to light up there, but now it's 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 moved over here. It's and it's a gibbous, so the you know the curve. That's how it works. That's that's uh, geometry for you. Earth Earth bulge. Earth <laughs> bulge is causing this. So, so there's there's Carpenter and he's not in a crew with or anything, but there's these guys that come out of the same thing that all those guys did. Like there's Carpenter O'Bannon, who he worked with Dark Star. There's like Walter Hill mm-hmm. around this time that are just I don't know. There's like a whole another David Geiler, those this other band of people. Mm-hmm. In this sect of like the filmmaker era, where's Friedkin at right now? He's with uh, Bogdanovich and Coppola yeah. with the oh, okay. uh, Zotrope and stuff, turning yeah. down Star Wars. He had Sorcerer next the following year from this, right? So he's, he's, he's filming Sorcerer right now and being like, This yeah, is a choice yeah. I made. God damn. <laughs> Everyone has malaria. <laughs> we had to build two bridges. <laughs> It's like one of the most dangerous looking movies I've ever seen. I love it. It's one of my favorite yeah. movies ever. But like, great. it's one of the most dangerous looking things on film. Like every time I watch it, I'm just stunned. I am watch it. certain that Roy Scheider gets malaria four times in that movie. And um, they filmed it at the it, end. Yeah, That's how he lost weight to play Joe Gideon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My buddy worked at Alamo in Austin and he got a Sorcerer Mondo print signed by Freakin for me. So I got that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I got that in my room right now. So, so I got that going for me. Got that that's going like, for me. Yeah, that's, like my, that's my favorite Mondo poster, Freakin signed Sorcerer. I would love to see that in IMAX. <sighs> that movie would play so awesome in IMAX. The fake rain is wonderful. I don't, I hate fake rain in movies most times. Like it's good. The most recent one, Sorcerer. Other than that, I'm not a fake rainer. How did no one actually that, die that, making sorcerer? Hard. That's what I want to know. <laughs> I bet someone did. They just didn't realize it. They didn't report it. <laughs> Where's no, they, Hank? Just, they pulled a weekend at Bernie's. Just list him at missing. List him as missing. List, list him as missing. <laughs> they have like 18 hands waving from like a building. <laughs> just uh, see all 18 of them in there. We're all fine. We're all fine. <laughs> How, are you? How are you? <laughs> a tape recording. <laughs> Say. I like that this has this like pseudo documentary thing too with the timestamps coming up every now and then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to make yeah, sure we know. Thing, yeah. <laughs> also, 816. Boy, is it going to be a long night? We barely got started. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <laughs> sun went down early. It must be like November. Oh, they filmed in November. So that makes sense. Oh, yeah, the sun went down early. <laughs> the I like down. these two. Yeah. 
They have good chemistry. I watched I'm, Assault on Precinct 14 with them. Right? <laughs> this is a stupid question, but I mean, if you think about Halloween, if you think about his earlier films, he gets some really great performances out of out of people. Like, what do you think it is his directing style? Like, it's it just, I mean, he's a not a kid here, but he's young, but he still gets really confident performances. Like, how? Yeah, he uh, doesn't seem like he's one that's really tooling the actors to tell right. them, like what they need to do. It just feels more like here are the lines, make it your own kind of thing. Like maybe, maybe like the rehearsal, just letting them get to know each other. Maybe that's part of it. But well, he's, he's also, like a, yeah. Oh, oh sorry. I was going to say, acting wise, the only thing he's commented on, he doesn't like to work with uh, stars or big name celebrities. That's yeah. that's one Chevy thing. Chevy Chase, like, talking about. But, yeah, but but he would say he said that before <laughs> Chevy Chase, and it kind of reiterated it with Chevy Chase like because he doesn't want to deal with any personalities, right? Yeah, you, you know. So it's this is great. This thing. <laughs> so, to, to his credit, he kind of made Kurt Russell the star he was. So there wasn't like in his eyes that Kurt Russell was this because yeah, they're star. friends. So that's yeah, yeah. And they're they're friends and uh, yeah, he redefined him. Yeah, he, yeah. So by, by, by commentaries, mm-hmm, for sure. Great but, commentaries. Well, yeah, Jamie but, Lee Curtis, he brought her up too, so she wasn't like yeah. So by having, you know, the actors that he does get, it is people that are probably, you know, in theater and what have you think people that are used to a lot of no egos, a lot of no egos and people that are used to like forming a certain kind of bond based off like the rehearsal process or whatnot. So they have a rapport going. So like, it's not about saying the lines as written. It's about, you know, making that work for your character. Mm -hmm. And so you can live in that character and he doesn't have to, you know, he gets to set. He doesn't have to do anything as far as instructing me on telling you what marks you're at. So at that point, it's just like, yeah, you know, do, you know, the strip, the strip down dialogue helps certainly in movies like this or, you know, Escape from New York, where it's so basic to begin with. Mm-hmm. So it's so, you know, the performances become legendary because you can, you can really focus in on those key things that they're doing, what they're all about without having to like delve into the, you know, it's not the, it's not the richness of the character that's getting you going. It's just more of the, the iconicism that comes with how it's structured. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Like, like that. That's why, like, Starman is such a a, a drastic like changeup. I feel mm-hmm. like that because it's so more. It's such a character focused movie with you know, re- like Jeff Bridges. He's a real act. He's a real star. That like that's yeah. probably that might be like the biggest like person coming into it. You know, he's already been nominated a few times at that point, right? But he's Bridges? not like a he's nominated. But he's more. I'd say like, I, he's I, I agree. Like I'm not star, saying he's yeah. like an ego guy, he's but the like critic he's guy. He's like he certainly has he certainly guy. has the bone. He has more bona fide than I think Carpenter is well, used when, to. When, when with Carpenter him. was casting yeah. Russell, I think he originally wanted Bridges for his Escape from New York. Wouldn't surprise me. He was yeah. going after Bridges initially. Hmm. I mean, those two actors are both so great. I mean, I could see wanting one or the other. You know. Yeah. But yeah, having something like you know Starman feels like such a departure because you have him and Karen Allen, and it's a you know it's a romance. Like it's it has a lot of interesting layers going on that feels different than what's yeah, before that. What, what Christine? Carpenter's that's a that's one of the best commentaries ever too. There's a Carpenter. Those two guys doing a commentary. Carpenter mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Starman is they're such wonderful because they're both sort of ex hippie guys, but Carpenter is much grumpier about it. It's great. <laughs> I like these two shots. There's a lot of them in there, but I dig a look at them. You're right. The way I think about the thing, I just think about the set pieces. The performances are near perfect, but you know, you think about the set pieces of it. Yeah, because you don't like that. Doesn't give you, you know, like whose child? Well, he's he's him. That's it. There's no, there's no real. You know, there's no defining thing beyond oh, like he, the, you know, the, the effects that hold hold up better than anything else. 
and yeah, the set pieces, some one liner, you know, there's McCready. Um, he's a script by Brett Lancaster's son and a great one. It's the it's the kind of thing where like some people focus on like the story or what have you, and they don't realize that the thing has very little going on beyond just like <laughs> spectacle, but it's just right. done so well. That's what movies can be. Like that's that's the thing we kind of get away from. There, it's all about. He doesn't generally do movies that take place over more than a few hours or a few days, does he? Yeah. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it, which is another like way like Big Trouble it. is like an epic, and that's like two days. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like right. <laughs> Like there's, you know, the world might end. There's armies and bullshit going on. And it's like, that ah, just took place over a weekend. <laughs> or so, I mean, maybe like the thing that takes place the longest is like the Stacy Keats short, the hair in body bags. That <laughs> yeah. takes place yeah. over a while. Um, that might be it. The fog is basically one night. Escape from New York is all one. Is Starman's like a yeah weekend road trip. They I guess like memoirs like has some me- memoirs has some montages in there. So yeah. memoirs might be like a month. But yeah. <laughs> Christine might be his longest one, right? Yeah, it might yeah, be a couple of weeks. Christine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prince of Darkness is a night. Yep. Vampires oh. is another weekend. I remember the first time I watched Vampires and I just felt so dirty. That's how effective it was. I'm like, this yeah. movie is sweaty. Daniel Baldwin is that yeah. the well they have like um what's her name from uh, Laura Palmer's they're Carol like Lee getting beat up and just yeah. tied naked to a bed yeah forced to have romantic stuff with Daniel Baldwin <laughs> just <laughs> Daniel oh, the... Baldwin. Was, <laughs> was this was this Johnny legs in the uh remake it's, it's legs in Ja Rule murdering <laughs> yeah, it's like Legozamo and Ja Rule are like they're like their own little unit in that movie, and yeah, they they don't make it. <laughs> they they're, they occupy the Tony Burton role. That re- I mean, we talk about the remake. The re- I mean, I, as I said, like I do think it's effective enough. The problem it has is it's too long. It's the kind of movie where this one is so efficient, and for some reason, the thought, oh god, it's so sad. With mm. uh, and it's a good shock. It's a good shock move too. When he just pops up like that. The mm the thing with the remake is like once it gets to the point like it's doing it but like it's the kind of movie where it's like let's take like 20 minutes to explore who Lawrence Fishburne who plays the Napoleon character let's let's, let's explore who he is let's get some real backstory on this guy and it's like why what are we <laughs> like what are we doing here and it's you know it's whatever once they do get to like the siege stuff it's an efficient little thriller and it looks good um it, it's directed by the guy that did plane uh, Gerard Butler's plane that's out now. Yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> Maybe so few, happy. It's a French director. I forget his name offhand, but he's he did a few movies with um was like the Mezzarine movies or something like with uh, what's his name with um uh the Night Fox from Village <laughs> Twelve. It's um oh Vincent Cassell. Cassell, thank you. Yeah, Vincent Cassell. Okay. He did a couple husband of, his... of uh, yeah. Monica Bellucci, former the... husband, right? Yeah, they're not together anymore. She's on the market. And the cinematographer of Plane deserves a lot of David Lynch applause for this movie. Uh, oh, for Plane, like uh, oh, the for Plane, cinemato- okay. I love yeah. the cinematography of Plane. It's a good. It's a, for that kind of movie. Yeah, it looks pretty good. I agree. Is there ever any explanation here, or, or sort of a modern movie? I think would have us understand that Napoleon didn't actually kill anybody, or wasn't really guilty. Mm-hmm. Do they ever explain that, or is he just a killer, and that's just not? No, nope, he just who he is, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah, nice. That's one hundred percent fine. I he's, think that he's, he's, and he's he likes a bad guy people. that does a few things that are good here. 
Right, because they don't have a monologue where he didn't really kill anybody and he was protecting his mother or something. That's the thing with the remake. Like, Gordon Fishburne is like, I was doing stuff for my community or some bullshit like that. It's like, yeah, I'm a gang guy, but like, I do it for the right reasons. Like, it's like, I don't need this. Like, come on. I mean, time for that in this, man. It's just, you know. Well, this is supposed to show that, like, even at a moment like this, some, you know, hardened old criminal probably did bad shit. He doesn't still want to die. He'll defend, and, you know, people can come together like that from all wakes of life, no matter what their background is and he doesn't that's have to the be Howard Hawks thing. That's the Howard Hawks. He doesn't have to be so here's the line right like, here. Here like the 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 two shots do I save it for us? No. Shoot the two assholes that come through that vent first. It's like because <laughs> <laughs> Dust till Dawn does the same thing. And Cooney yeah. sells it. He's like, no, go on. shoot right. the next two fuckers that try to bite you. Yeah. <laughs> you know you, you really go back this... to jail at the end, I guess Napoleon. The end of this movie. Yeah. 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 Cause he's not a you know he's not a psychopath like that's the difference right. here like you know he's a bad guy but yeah he's not he's not just willfully killing everybody that he sees he's like yeah i don't want to die like you just said brandon like you know, i won't let's not yeah. die together please yeah. like, let's, let's, let's do what we can well, let's, you, let's you release this today and the, the characters are too thin not much going on and uh you, you know think pieces about john carpenter saying criminals are great him, you know, yeah. give him guns <laughs> all this like because he, he must support that because he wrote a movie where a criminal gets you know positioned it though as a hero but yeah, you release it today it's a it's a, it's a neon film that gets divisive reviews and lots of think pieces that yeah. go both ways right yep and is this the new is this the new state of the thriller <laughs> <laughs> wait elevated thriller elevated thriller <laughs> i like that um, these are the two people that were kind of nice to him with the cigarettes like he's like i don't have one but you know like he kind of you know the, the cop right here gave him some time and then the lady offered him one so like i like that you know just be nice to criminals give them cigarettes that's the main takeaway from this movie the classic howard hawks female you know Mm -hmm. sort of able to handle the situations like all the only angels have wings or something you know they're always able to duke it out in the worst situations with men and these tight compressed groups under pressure like in his version of the thing uh howard hawks version of the thing is very similar to those two people thrown together and functioning under high pressure Capable people being capable. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I like this stuff right here. It's just, you know, two shot of explaining the plan. And, but they bring that, that kind of, they bring enough personality to this where it's like, this could be a movie that you didn't like if it wasn't so well directed. Exactly. This could be <laughs> so, laggy at this point when you're like, oh, yeah. we need to wrap it up here. It's like, no, I'm enjoying these personnel. I'm enjoying these people clashing and figuring out ways to get through this problem. There's only nine minutes left. This movie editing, just, editing oh, by the way, done by John T. Chance, which is a <laughs> pseudonym um, for for Carpenter and what John Wayne's character in Real Bravo. Rio. Bravo, but I was thinking Real Bravo doesn't have much to do with this. Real Bravo, they're not. It's not a closed down. They're under siege because it's because it's, it's this because it's this and Night of the Living Dead. It's both. It's it's that. Yeah, and then, yeah. then, there's, then you throw some Leone in there, and there's even yeah. a little Hitchcock in here. Like it's a lot of yeah. you know. It's a it's one of these. It's this calling card movie, right? It's these these. Uh, you know, throw all the stuff that I can in here because I don't know if I'm going to make another one of these. Like, right, exactly. Just get all my heroes out of the way. And I wonder it's, if it's if it's because I look at him. I mean, I, obviously, I love I love almost every movie he ever made, but there's definitely he seems to be someone who really was hurt by the business a lot and 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 disenchanted as his career went along because he's not putting everything into. I love they live, but it's not as intensely well crafted as this movie. This movie is so like lean and mean you know because you know he had he 
something like this is he's running and gunning. He's doing this for the first time. It's going to come out how yeah. it's going to come out. And you can put that, you know, it's that's, you know, musicians doing their mm-hmm. first album kind of thing. They Live is a movie where it's like it's more expensive. It's still, yeah, it still has little studio effort going into it. It's, but, it, you know, he has to balance both. What do I want to say? How am I going to make that work? How many people are going to tell me no when I ask for money for it? Like, how do you how do you balance all three of those things in a movie that's you know larger scale than this? You know, that's an alien invasion movie. Like, this mm-hmm. this is some guys in a in a police precinct. Oof, look at it. This is why he spent the last twenty years playing basketball or watching basketball and playing video games. Yeah, mm-hmm. could you imagine him being you know even if he went to a smaller studio, if like Lionsgate picked him up, he's like, what am I going to do with you guys? Like, what are we what are we doing here? I, I operate a certain way. I'm old. I don't have time for for checking well, things. He says if he says he has nothing to say, so he, or you know he'd be up for it. But I I appreciate that he doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he's not. You know, if you want to work, you want to work. More power to you. Yep. But I like that there's not just like throwaway Carpenter movies where he's just right, like, yeah. yeah, I came on to shoot a couple episodes of whatever fucking Netflix yeah, show. Yeah, like, no, he's, he's not going to force out a film, and I don't. You know, I don't want him to if he doesn't want to. You know, like that we have such a good library that you know probably finite but hell he's having this second wind as a musician and yeah more power to him that's fine <laughs> and who knows maybe i'll just get inspired you know yeah at some point support your local plea and we get to see a bunch of articles that's a, about that's a first good film yeah. since 20 something's the ward all over all the time. Which starred Amber Heard? Have you heard about her? Did you know about Johnny Depp? Did you hear about uh, Did you hear no blah blah? Oh. I like that you said the this word is calling is good, card actually. Movie. But because <laughs> like do you think it's his calling card movie? So he just shot it nuts and bolts. He's like, hey guys, I know how to frame it. I know how to light it. I can be economical. I can make a movie on a budget. So he thought about shots and like mm-hmm. composition. So I could see why this is really tightly crafted because I was probably in the back of his mind the whole time. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, you know, the guy you're getting to strut your stuff finally. You're gonna make a movie. Yeah. Oh, it, Darkstar it, still feels a little bit like a student film, but this is a movie. You know, he, he, he arrives almost fully formed. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, this got the attention of the uh, of uh, of the blondes, and that's so it gets to Halloween after this, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously, Jeez. you know. People, if or, you know whatever reviews were, people people saw it and they took what they wanted from it. I believe what Donald Pleasance's daughters were fans, and that's how Donald yep. Pleasance hooked yeah. up with them. Yeah, they're like he was a hot going, name. Yeah, again, England, they love this movie. <laughs> well, he also in the, so after this too, he he goes and he he does the uh, the TV movie too. Uh, Elvis, someone Elvis. watching, somebody oh, watching, watching, watching me, me. Yeah. which is pre Halloween. So that's really his yeah, next really. film is that but that doesn't release till later and comes out after halloween man i've seen this scene in so many movies like it's such a obviously just for a couple of guys in a hallway but it's so effective these guys on the other side yeah but all that atmosphere in the way and you got it wonder where that prop is support your local police prop so the it's in the lapd it's in the lapd headquarters yeah Good smoke work. Great smoke. I feel like I've seen, you know, there's like a recent zombie film, a Korean zombie TV show on Netflix that used the same gag about blocking them. Uh, this is a good game. This movie's over like 45 seconds. There yeah. would be a modern movie that would get it, get it done so cleanly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guys running the end. It's a shame that he was so underrated for so long. I, 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 you know, I'm for a long time for. 
20 years, I feel like I was, you know, waiting for something like Scorsese to come out and say, this guy's a great American director. But he well, really... the, que- the question becomes, though, like if you gave him that, not necessarily the ego boost, but if you gave him that acclaim right away, would he be still make these movies? He could have used it about 20 years ago. <laughs> 20 years for yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. You know, if, yeah if, you, if you got a couple extra bucks to to polish off vampires or, or ghosts, ghosts of Mars and see what you get from that. I mean, even yeah. some of the like, people like uh, some of the greatest names struggle to get work nowadays, even too. So, I mean, well, yeah, Scorsese is on Apple. Yeah, he's making a, a Leonardo DiCaprio movie on director Apple. we've ever had in this country. And like, yeah. as far as a guy who directed mostly horror and sci-fi, I think he's the best. As far as I'm, I love George Romero to death. Oh. Yeah, Carpenter is is a great genre guy. Like, I guess if he got that, you get it. You'd get him Escape from the Earth, right? That's what that's what would come up if he had the acclaim yeah. back then, right? You get to make the third Escape movie. Yeah, I think with Carpenter, you never. The film as made, technical wise, performances wise, everything else never fails. It's usually just because the script just didn't work out. That's that's probably with his the worst of Carpenter where it fails. Because I mean, I think like Vampires is like a well made movie. The Village of the Dam remake it looks like it's like a well made movie, but like it's I think it's in the just the script just doesn't doesn't work, and that's where people don't like on because i've never seen like a man that guy give a horrible performance or something goofy in a carpenter they're not bad performances but i don't i don't i if you got better if you got something different out of certain performers that might make the difference too true is that it's not that the ones he hires are bad but yeah i do think there's a possibility that something comes alive a little bit more if you have well quite a few inexpressive actors in it to be honest i don't know why he got saddled with that guess because I mean, the guy he probably gets paired alongside with is Craven, and Craven has some movies where it's like wonky, goofy stuff like that. And like, I feel like Carp- Carpenter's like material is competent. Yeah, better director, competent through like through his even through his ups and through his downs as much as his ups. It's Craven so, takes bigger swings, it, which yeah. I appreciate. Right, like, it doesn't mean I like the films, but I mean, this is you know we're debating masters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, right, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the Carpenter's which. Yeah, you know, all his movies are westerns. Where hmm. Craven, Craven doesn't right. have that. You know, Craven. Odds that Craven is directing Scream in, in the mid '90s, and Carpenter is basically finished, and he's not. You know, mm-hmm. well, he, he, gets, tr- he, he turns gets, down H two O, so he turns on H two O, and Craven gets new life because of Scream. Right? He's yeah. Craven's on the. You yeah. know, he's despite but getting in Scream the, itself. It looks like a Carpenter movie. I mean, it's beautiful two three five widescreen, classy. Mm-hmm. The first time in, in 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 Craven's life, he's made like a Hitchcock movie with Scream. You know, yeah. Yeah, and then he does better with Scream Two, uh, like, and then you get you know he, he, he does he the rust is off the wheels after Scream, and he's like, oh, right. I can do it this even better yeah. the second time. Well, I mean, you have Carpenter like alongside is contemporary, but like the the poor man's Carpenter at this time is Mark Lester. You've ever seen any of his yeah. films? Oh, okay, he does he class of class of eighty four. He takes over Firestarter from Carpenter because Carpenter because of the thing. Um, Carpenter got booted from Firestarter, and Firestarter feels like the most like. Yeah. Not made by John Carpenter, John Carpenter movie. Yep. And it's Mark and Lester. Mark Lester movie. does Commando, which has some Carpenterisms to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Mark Lester's very much the uh, plan B if you can't get Carpenter in the, in the, in the 80s, I would say. Hmm. Script supervisor on this movie, by the way, was uh, Deborah Hill. Yep. This is when they were dating. 
Yep. And they just continue, it's crazy they continue to work together after. When does that end? I guess when he meets uh, Barbo. Pre the, like somewhere <laughs> right before the fall. It's like someone's watching over because I think Barbo's in that Barbeau one. Is from, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it happened. And then Deborah Hill continues on with him. And they just know their partnership. You know, we're doing important stuff beyond our <laughs> emotional attachments to each other. What a movie. Great movie. Yeah, good stuff. We've done it. We've talked about Assault on Precinct 13. Credits have rolled. And uh, that's going to. Sad to bring us to the end of this very fun commentary. <laughs> I haven't enjoyed mm-hmm. this conversation. Was good, um, yeah, I had a good time, guys. So with all that said, let's go over where we can find everyone else's work. Yancey, anything you want to plug real quick here? Nothing really. Keep eyes on the Milky Way Blues if I ever start producing there again. But uh, just busy with the two kids at the moment. Fair enough. I'll plug when there's something to plug. Thank you for asking. Sure. Mark Hoffmeyer. Yeah. Con Air, the podcast. Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. Movie Sons of Flicks. Movie Sons of FLIX podcast. And then... You just listen to those and all the other stuff I do. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon yeah. Peters. Uh, social media is at Brandon4KUHD. My podcast is the Brandon Peters Show. Um, go there. I got some new episodes starting to roll out here. And uh, com is where my Blu-ray reviews are. And I've got a Jackie Chan box set. One up and a Dawn of the Dead 4K Ultra HD, the the Zack Snyder version, uh, been running on the site. Yeah, I got I got to read that because I'm curious about that new 4K. It's very good looking. It's all the same except for that transfer. Same audio, yeah. same extra. Oh, same commentary. Mm-hmm. There's no, yeah, there's no new features that beyond the features that were on the Blu-ray release that Screen put out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They should start. We should start renaming all of Zack Snyder's films: Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's 300, Zack Snyder's. Legend of the Guardians, they also go Hooli. Um a killer soundtrack on Dawn. The fact the that I got that title in one go, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm impressed by Richard myself. With that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can find everything I do at thecodezeek.com, my personal blog. Uh, I write for Wheel of Entertainment and Why So Blue for movie reviews, Blu-ray reviews, and Criterion reviews. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. All the episodes of this podcast are available on iTunes. Please give us a rating review. That'd be wonderful. And everywhere else you can find podcasts. You can probably review on those sites, too. Um I want to thank Yancey, Brandon, and Mark for joining me for this Assault on Precinct 13 commentary track, the inaugural entry in our I Love LA commentary theme for the next few months here. Tell Pipes look out next month. <laughs> You're not going to fall for the banana on the tail. I can't do that oh. all day. This is- <laughs> Super cops. Okay. So yes, next week, next next month, we will yes be dealing with Axel F in full. Uh, but that's going to do it for this month's commentary track. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. 
For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.